Welcome to our 53rd episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, today, our first point, we're going to be talking about the T-14 Armada. Yeah. Okay. And that's the new Russian main battle tank. And then we're going to talk about uh, our second point is the 107th Panzer Brigade. And everybody's like, the 107th? Well, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I was watching Band of Brothers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. We'll hey, get there. We've got some young viewers we need, we need to do some shout-outs to. Yeah, we do. It's it's pretty neat. Hey, look at this. Uh-oh. What do we got here? Lightning the cat. Oh, man. She, she <laughs> Soon, came out of hiding. She knew we were starting to record. And... As soon as we hit that record button, here comes the cat. <laughs> like, you can't have a show without the cat. Yeah. She'll probably be banging the microphones with her head here in a minute. Yeah, so. you're going to hear her jump on the table here in a second. Oh, She's looking at it. She needs the attention for some reason. So tell us about our first young uh, person. Yeah, we got a uh, email here the other day, which pretty interesting. A little 10-year-old's dad sent an email for his son. Now, who's that? David Tenson? Yeah, David is the dad, and he says that his 10-year-old son... I guess it's pronounced Cadle. That's a new one for oh, me. Oh, he, he's going to be so depressed we oh, couldn't get his right. I know. I uh, know. Cadle, if we're saying this right. Cadell or Cadell. Cadell. Yeah. It could be Cadell. Listen, you have to excuse Charlie and Russell because yeah. we are ignorant. <laughs> hey, here. Here's the thing. Send us a voicemail. Go to our website. And then let us know. Uh, oh, all right, cat. Holy cow. Lighten. Come on, cat. She's rubbing her head on the microphone. Mics. Oh, wow. But anyway, um, you can leave us a message on our voicemail. Yes. On how it, to it, actually say your name. Now, where are they from? Uh, I believe they're out of Land of the Crocodiles, Snakes, and Epic Lego Tanks. Uh, oh, Australia. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't Yeah. Crocodiles down there. So mm-hmm. I think they got snakes down there. So. What's the difference between a crocodile and an alligator? Oh, don't go there, Charlie. Oh. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, we're... We They'll need still to get... eat you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They won't eat me. I taste funny. It says he's a uh, World of Tank Blitz player. <laughs> we just got a message from Craig Moore on Facebook. <laughs> just popped up. You know what? Craig's got a new book coming out but we can't talk about it yet yeah yeah he's got some neat stuff coming out um ladies and gentlemen again if you don't know our friend craig moore we got to figure out a way to yeah, make it three tankers yeah, and a cat we need yeah, to get him he's neat. so cool yeah he's got what the tank hunter book yeah and that's yeah the world war one mark five and the mm-hmm. german tank and then he's got the artillery yeah. german artillery one yep and then his third book is <gasps> We can't tell oh, you. Oh, man. We can't tell you. It's he supposed says, to be, it says supposed to be out, what, the end of this year, hopefully. Well, so. he, said, he told me before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So if it comes out before Christmas, we will definitely tell yes. you where to get it and yeah. everything. We'll what a great guy. Send you guys the link out there on Facebook. And But anyway, getting back to Cadell or Cadel, he insists that his dad puts the podcast on in the car anytime they go somewhere. Excellent. Yeah. But he's a World of Tanks Blitz player. If you don't know about that game, it's still part of World of Tanks, but you play it on your mobile devices. Yeah, you can play it on your phone, your iPad, whatever. But he also loves Legos. 
And he's he's, sent, he's sent some pictures of the tank he Legos. Has, he has. He's put some put together some really neat tank Lego sets. So if I sent him some of my you know tank models, he'd put them together to yeah, me and for me. Yeah, he might. Uh, well, we'll have to send him something. <laughs> but this here, this is pretty incredible. It says that he's actually memorized sixty three different tanks by off by heart. See the names of them. Yeah, the making of a new I future. Know. Tank uh, yeah. historian. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we got a couple of comments, and some of them are negative. And remember, as always, if you're one of our haters, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, they were saying, well, you know, as tank historians, you guys, you know, need to be more thorough. And I'm like, at no point have we ever stood no. up and said we were professionals. No. Uh-uh. We, we'll send you to people that are... Yeah, yeah. We got uh, uh, Francis Pullman, Ed Webster. Yeah. Oh, talking of which, Francis Pullman's got a uh, podcast that I want to give a shout oh, out. Oh, there we go. Um, everybody goes, oh, that's a competition. I'm like, it's not a competition. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we We're trying to get more people interested yes, in tanks. Yes, So, yeah, if you're wanting to start a podcast, awesome. We... we, we we're happy about exactly. it. Exactly. So what else did David Tinson say about his wonderful son that we as Americans <laughs> can't figure out how to C A D E L L. Yeah. Cadell? 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 Cadel? I don't know. Yeah. We are apologizing. I know. He he's all excited and uh, he's like, Oh yeah. They, they they really do suck. <laughs> but, yeah. But, brother, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, We really appreciate and it. And here's your shout-out, man. Yeah, this no is, doubt. This is for you. Thanks for listening, and keep keep listening, and keep keep memorizing tank names, man. Absolutely. That's awesome. Future historian there. Yeah. Don't worry. There's tons of tanks oh, he can still research. Um, we got another kid. Yeah. He's 12 years old, and he's out of Toronto, Canada, isn't it? Yeah, Toronto. Have you have you ever been up there in Canada? I have not. It is beautiful. Uh, it is such a great country. Uh, we are so proud, to, you know, that we're neighbors with such yeah. a great country, and uh, has some interesting tank history up there too. Yes, they do. Yeah, Russell keeps promising me every year. Yeah, we're going to go to the Ontario oh, Tank man. Fest, and uh, he blows me off every year. I, hey, I thought it was the other way around. I thought uh, you're the one that didn't want to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, it is a long drive, uh, but I guess he wants us to do an episode on the mouse. Yeah. All does. right. He All does. right, buddy. One of his favorite tanks. And that was um, uh, Aaron Zhang. Aaron Zhang. Yep. Aaron, we're going to take care of you, brother. I'm going to uh, sit down and start doing one on the mouse, and we'll also talk on one they had designed, the rat. The rat. Yeah. Yeah, it had like battleship lightning, guns on it. Lightning perked up her ears when she heard the... Rat and rats. <laughs> Look at her. Her ears jump every time oh, we say mouse or rat. Yeah. She's like, mmm, uh, Let's see. Who else do we need to talk about? Oh, uh, Michael. How do you say his name? K-A-L-B. I'm going to say Kolb. Kolb. Yeah. Kolb. Michael, if we killed your name again, we're just some backwards hillbillies. Yeah, yep. Um, but he was talking about the Panthers and the IR equipment. Now, we're going to try to talk to him and maybe get some more information and then 
basically steal his information. No, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're going to try, try to talk more about the Panther IR. Yeah, we will. And, and thanks Michael for putting out there that you've got all this great information and, and some, from some pretty good sources. It sounds like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's put a lot of work into this and, and did learn a new. Hey, maybe we can teach Hillary Doyle something about the Panther IR. There we go. Yeah, see? Never know. <laughs> Either that or he'll write us and say, yeah. you bloody fools. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got? Uh, we had a new Patreon sign up. Yeah, we do. What's his name? Welcome, Tyler Acklin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to Tyler. Thanks, brother, yes. for joining our Patreon. It means a lot, man. Um, we're planning on setting up a, uh, Patreon only, um, platoon for world of tanks Yeah, where me and Russell will be platoon with, a or hanging out with everybody yeah, yeah. on zoom or something. Something. And, yeah. We're still trying to figure out how to set all that up, but it, it'll be, we'll probably get you guys a, uh, private link or something like that through YouTube. And, and you guys will yeah. just sit there and talk to us on yeah. zoom while we yeah. shoot tanks. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. So, but that's in the plans for our Patreon folks. And if you're not playing World of Tanks, hey, go out, download it. Play it. Play it. Yeah. See if you like it. And if you don't like it, yeah. there's always War Thunder. Hey. Don't like that? Armored Warfare. Exactly. But get involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we got to talk about Antonio from Portugal. Yeah, we he, do. You'll never guess what, folks. Antonio shipped us a M3 Lee little model uh, metal thing. It's old. It is. And it looks like it's kind of valuable. Yeah, I know. Yeah. it's so, You don't see a lot of little metal toys like that anymore. It's, well, especially here in the United States. Uh-huh. Europe has a better chance of getting stuff that we've never seen. Yeah. But uh, uh, thanks, Antonio. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we, we really appreciate that gift and, and wow. Now we're talking about 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Let's talk about some other things that are bulletproof. There we go. Let's talk about the T4. 14 Armata. Like I said, we've talked about the North Korean, South Korean, American, even the Israeli main battle tanks. And, and we, I think we've talked about the T-90, which is the current main battle tank, but we never talked about their upcoming T-14. And, and there's a reason that we haven't talked about this T-14 Armata. But, uh, uh, you know, Russ, tell us a little bit about this monster. The T-14 Armata is a next-generation Russian main battle tank based on the Armada Universal Combat Platform, the first series-produced next-generation tank. The Russian Army initially planned to acquire 2,300 T-14s between 2015 and 2020. Production and fiscal shortfalls delayed this to about 2025, and then to the cancellation of the main production run. So that's why we're not going to see that's these. probably why we're not going to see it. Okay. The test batch of 100 is to be delivered and deployed to the 2nd Guards. 2nd Guard uh, Taman Rifle Division. I, I, that's one of their big ones. With delivery expected in 2020, so they've already been getting some of these tanks. They want 2,300 of these, but the money is what killed this. You know, they can save production and everything, yeah. but... You know, especially in 2020, with all the weird COVID and everything, money's tight. It is. It's even money's tight here, and that means mm-hmm. uh, Russia's got to be really tight. Yeah. But they have these uh, T-14s. Russ, 
will they be getting the other 2,020 or 2,200? Well, the short answer is no. In July of 2018, Deputy Prime Minister for Defense and Space Industry, Yori Borisov, said that there's currently no need to mass-produce the Armada when its older predecessors, namely the latest variants of the T-72, remain effective against American, German, and French counterparts, saying, Why flood our military with armadas? The T-72s are in great demand on the market. Instead, a modernization program of the T-72s, T-80s, and T-90s in service will take precedence. In August 2018, at the Army 2018 Forum outside Moscow, the Russian Ministry of Defense signed a contract for the purchase of 32 T-14 tanks and 100 T-15 infantry fighting vehicles, with delivery to be finished by 2021. In February 2019, it was announced that the first 12 tanks would be delivered by the end of that year. In August 2019, the Russian military industrial courier reported that out of a contractually agreed 132 Armada platform vehicles over three years to 2021, including T-14 tanks and also T-15 IFVs, and T-16 ARVs. Assuming production of 44 vehicles a year, only 16 would be delivered by the end of 2019. This implied a shortfall of at least 28 vehicles that year. They had apparently suffered severe personnel turnover, reportedly linked to financial abuses. By November 2019, the delivery forecast slipped to late 2019 or early 2020. So the company that's building these started losing people because they were ripping off government money. Wow. Wow. Uh, okay. The the platform that we're talking about on these armadas, uh, you heard us mention the T-15 infantry fighting vehicle, the uh, ARV, the T-16 is the ar- armored reconnaissance vehicle. They're using the hull, but on top they d- have different, you know, type things to I help see. out. So they're just using the body because they said, wow, this body is amazing. We've got to use it. In mid-January 2020, the head of Rostec said no Armada platform vehicles, including T-14 tanks, had been delivered. And in February, the CEO of the company that's building them only said that Armada platform armor, not necessarily T-14 tanks, would start shipping to begin operation evaluation in 2020. With the full contract of 132 Armada platform vehicles completed by 2022. Furthermore, also in February 2020, it became evident that the set of requirements for the intended engine of the tank were not met by the Construction Bureau, and the project of development of the engine would be closed in first quarter of 2020, further delaying the introduction of the tank for an unspecified time. In August 2020, the industry and trade minister told journalists that the production of 132 Armada platform tanks and fighting vehicles had begun after the resolution of problems with engines and night vision equipment, and they would be issued to the armed forces in 2021. Wow, I was wrong. They don't even have their 100 yet. Uh, What the hell? It's kind of like over here in America with our... uh if people uh, research uh, or watch the movie Pentagon Wars, they talk about the Bradley vi- fighting vehicle and stuff like that. It was never supposed to have a turret. It was never supposed to have a cannon. It was supposed to hold 12, and now it holds 6. You know, they just kept throwing stuff on in production. Incredible, and, yeah. And 
you know, we just heard you say that they were getting rid of people because they were ripping off money and yeah. abuses and stuff. Man. I'm glad to know that, that that doesn't just happen here in the United yeah. States. You know, we talked about uh, the last couple episodes of, you know, the, the abuse of taxes and tax dollar money. The, the poor Russia is dealing with this right now. Wow. They're saying they can upgrade the old main battle tanks that they have, you know, the T-70 or what, T-90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. They saw what happened to the Iraqi tanks. You know, they're saying, well, it's a top seller. Yeah, you're selling these things. They're not reliable against British or, or, or German or American tanks. You know, we've proved that over and over. Sure. If you doubt me, go watch the video. <laughs> uh, look up the tank of or the road of death or whatever. You know, we kill these things left and right. But they're saying, oh, we're uh, going to upgrade and all this. We don't need, you know, these new T-14s. And trust me, you know, those have been upgraded since they rolled off the assembly line. I, I read where the T-14 uh, Armada has been described as a major concern for Western armies. And British intelligence views this unmanned turret that this tank has as uh, providing many advantages. You know, so the Americans are worried about this tank, and and the British are worried about this tank, and and even the Germans, I've read, are worried about this tank. So, Russ, what makes this tank such a concern? The main armament of the T-14 is the 2A-82 dash 1M 125 millimeter or 4.92 inch smoothbore cannon, a replacement for the 2A46 125 millimeter gun of previous Russian and Soviet tanks. According to Russian sources, its muzzle energy is greater than that of the German Leopard 2's Rheinmetall 120 millimeter gun, which is considered one of the world's best cannons, as well as its main competitor. Okay. There's a good point right there. The, you know, the Russians build a gun, and they're like, it's 125 millimeter, and it's better than the Germans, you know, gun. And that that's like the world's best. Well, sure. Uh, okay, keep going, Russ. The 2A82-1M gun is 15 to 20% more accurate than the 2A46 while also boasting a 70% increase in accuracy while moving compared to the older 125mm Soviet cannons. Features include an absence of a fume extractor due to the unmanned turret, a fire rate of 10 to 12 rounds per minute, left side casing ejection port for the 125mm gun, and a maximum effective penetration range of 8 kilometers. Okay, so this thing's shooting 8 kilometers away with pinpoint accuracy, and there's nobody in the turret. Technology, I guess, man. That's uh, just, it's uh, incredible. That, that's incredible. It is. But I, with technology also goes higher costs. Well, and that's what's yeah. killing this tank. Yeah. Well, that and uh, looks yeah. obviously by, you know, mm-hmm. abuse by sure. companies and yeah. government and everything else. But it kicks out the shells. Mm-hmm. You know, by itself and kicks them out on the, what, what would we say, left side of the yeah. tank. That's awesome. The 2A82-1M 125mm cannon can fire a wide range of ammunition, 
including armor piercing fin stabilized, discarding sabot projectiles, guided missiles, high explosive anti tank shells, airburst HE frag shells, and other types around. So this thing can shoot armor piercing that'll go through any tank that's out there now. It can do an high explosive air burst, <laughs> which means let's say there's a trench and there's some guys, you know, with tank guns out there, they're getting ready to snipe this thing. It fires, it explodes over the trench and kills everybody below. Incredible. Wow. Okay. I can see a threat building here. Tell us more. The vacuum dash one armor piercing fin stabilized discarding Sabbat projectile round is developed for the two a 82 dash one M gun. It has a penetrator that is 900 millimeters long and is said to be capable of penetrating one meters of RHA equivalent at a distance of two kilometers. Good Lord. So this thing's go, going to go through one meter of RHA or RHA at two miles away. Let's just say if you think you're going to hide behind something. Yeah. Or, or any other enemy yeah. tank, it's going to go through. It will. This is a one-shot, one-kill. The new controlled detonation Telnik HE frag shell is available and has entered service. The gun is capable of firing guided missiles like the 9M19M1 NVAR-M, which has an effective range of 100 meters to 5 kilometers and can engage low-flying air targets such as helicopters, with a new 3UBK21 Sprinter ATGM with an effective range up to 12 kilometers developed specifically for it. <laughs> All right. Wow. So this tank is going down and the radar picks up, let, let's say, an, an Apache, Cobra, or even an A-10 Warthog. And it loads this m- missile round and can take it out at five kilometers away. So... So much for our, you know, anti-tank aircraft. Wow. It, it, I, I know. It, it's, this, this thing's low yeah. to the ground. It's going. Yeah. The helicopter comes over the top, gets picked up by radar, and this tank shoots it and kills it. Now we're seeing why all the other countries are concerned over this thing. Wow. It should also be noted that the Russian military has plans to upgrade to a massive 152-millimeter gun which, according to a top-ranking Russian official, will be able to pierce through one meter of steel. Just, just a regular round, not nothing special, just their 152 will blast through one meter of steel. Oh, well, what kind yeah. of second armaments does this thing have? The secondary armament consists of a 12.7 by 108 millimeter cord machine gun with 300 rounds, and a 7.62 by 54 millimeter machine gun with a thousand rounds. All guns are remotely controlled. In addition, another 1,000 rounds can be stored separately. A 12.7 millimeter machine gun is installed above the turret roof-mounted commander's sight, which avoids visual obstructions, while the turret front has a peculiar slit that is speculated to be intended for the coaxial 7.62 millimeter machine gun. The tank's turret might be fitted with a Shipanov 2A42 30mm cannon to deal with various targets, including low-flying aerial targets, such as attack planes and helicopters. They've got this uh, cord, or 108, 
on top of the tank as an anti-aircraft or, you know, helicopters. But they said, no, let's go ahead and put the 30 millimeter cannon on there. Because if we run into ground troops, we can still use, you know, our machine guns. But this thing has a cannon now or auto cannon that's using the radar in the tank and satellite assistant to shoot down anything a10s cobras helicopters it can just shoot it down (laughs) wow truly incredible man this is a machine and we shouldn't just say uh, attack planes and helicopters we keep forgetting to mention our drones yeah we get a drone with a stinger on it Mm, and it's coming up there this thing's gonna lock on it and shoot it to pieces wow Uh, tell us some more russ in the future, the T-14 may use the 2A-83 152mm gun instead of its current 2A-82-1M 125mm gun. The cannon, which was first developed in 2000 for the T-95 prototype, has a high-speed APF-SDS shell with a 1,980m-per-second muzzle velocity, only dropping to 1,900m-per-second at 2 kilometers. Now, that's a fast round. Oh, wow. However, Russian engineers have so far kept the 125mm size gun, assessing that improvements in ammunition are enough to increase effectiveness, while concluding that a larger bore weapon would offer few practical advantages. The T-14 can also use anti-aircraft missiles. A 30mm anti-aircraft gun may be installed in the near future. So, like you were saying... Holy crap, those Russians can make big old guns. You know, if you look at World War II and you look at some of their tank destroyers like the uh, ISU 152, good lord, those things uh, had huge guns. Yeah, they did. I'm just amazed. I know. It kind of makes you feel like the first time that we saw a Stewart's little 40 millimeter gun or 37 <laughs> millimeter gun, whatever it is. Compared to the SU-152 gun. Uh, What else makes this thing so dangerous, Russell? Well, the T-14 is powered by a CHTZ-12N360 diesel engine delivering up to 1,500 horsepower. The engine's theoretical maximum power, not normally used, is 2,000 horsepower at the cost of radically decreasing its service life. Projected minimum 2,000 hours of nominal 1,500 horsepower comparable to other modern tank engines, and up to 10,000 hours at moderated 1,200 horsepower. The engine is electronically controlled, and its operational range is over 500 kilometers. So, basically, they gave gave this thing 2,000 horsepower, which is amazing. It is. But they've shortened the life. Yeah. And, And when we say that, we're talking about, you know, the engine. Yeah. If you had engines out there, you could run these things hard and, you know, run them... Like, like you stole them yeah. <laughs> and, and then move on. Yeah. The power is definitely there if they need it. The T-14 has a 12-speed automatic gearbox with a top speed of 80 to 90 kilometers per hour, which comes out to about 50 to 56 miles per hour. Wow. And a range of 500 kilometers or 310 miles. Good Lord. <laughs> Things cooking 56 miles an hour in rough terrain. Uh, you know, with 310 miles or, well, 500 kilometers and a gun that, that'll kill anything in front of it. And if anything's flying above it, it'll kill it too. Oh, okay, Russ. Go, <laughs> give me some more. At least one expert speculated that the transmission might be an electronically controlled mechanical gearbox with ex- 
external, reverse, and demultiplier gears, giving the tank equal forward and reverse gear ranges. Other sources suggest a partly or fully hydrostatic transmission. Uniquely, for a Soviet or Russian design, the transmission is joined with the engine into a single unit that can be swapped out in the field in just under 30 minutes. The M4 Sherman took an hour to pop off to replace the transmission and pop in, and that was incredible for World War II. It was, yeah. You're telling me they can jerk the engine and the transmission out, put a new one in, and have it go in 30 minutes. Swap that sucker out in 30 minutes. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. Uh, Does this thing have more rust? Well, yes, it does. Um, The T-14's crew of three is protected by an internal armored capsule with more than 900 millimeters of RHA equivalent. So, basically, they're not in the turret. Yeah. They're in the bottom, and mm-hmm. they're covered by 900 millimeters of, you know, armor. Oh, I'll take that. Both the chassis and the turret are equipped with the Malachit Dual Explosive Reactive Armor system on the front, sides, and the top. The tank uses an integrated computerized control system, which monitors the state and functions of all tank modules. In battle, the software can analyze threats and then either suggest or automatically take actions to eliminate them, while without the external threat, it can detect and rectify crew errors. Serial production of the Armada Platform's ceramic armor components begin in mid-2015. Okay, so I want to get this straight. You're going to put me in a tank with 900 millimeters of armor protection, and I, I can just... You know, I, I've got, got, I can go, what, 56 kilometers or miles per hour. And that this tank, when I set it up, will automatically kill whatever it is. It doesn't have to wait for me to make a mistake or try yeah. to... Pro- this is a tank that I need. Oh, man. Oh, my God, Russ, I want one. Wow. Uh, this is awesome. The tank features the Afghan-IT active protection system, which includes a millimeter wave radar to detect track and intercept incoming anti-tank munitions both kinetic energy penetrators and tandem charges currently the maximum speed of the interceptable target is 1700 meters per second or mach 5 with projected future increases up to 3000 meters per second or mach 8.8 according to news sources it protects the tank from all sides we they fire a, a rocket propelled grenade or a missile shoulder launch missile coming at Mach 8 and the guns shoot it down before it hits a tank. Okay, Russ, I'm sold on this tank. What else do we got? I know. The commander and gunner have largely identical multispectral image sites with the visible electromagnetic spectrum and the thermography channels and laser rangefinders. The commander's site is installed on the turret top and has a 360-degree field of view, while the gunner's, situated in the turret's niche to the gun's left, is slave to it and is additionally equipped with a direct-vision periscope channel and laser designator for the T-14's gun-launched Saklos anti-tank missiles. Wow. Just truly incredible. We see why it's so darn expensive to build. I mean, yeah, it's it's got it all. And now we know why everybody was worried about this tank. Exactly. This is the stuff me and you are getting. Yeah. That we've, yeah, that yeah. we've researched. Exactly. What is underneath the hood yeah. of this vehicle that they are not telling everybody? Exactly. The detection distance of tank size objects for both sites is 7,500 meters, 
in daylight through the TV slash periscopic channel and approximately 3,500 meters at night through the thermal channel. There is also a backup night vision capable site with 2,000 to 1,000 meter respective detection distances. In addition to traditional vision periscopes, the driver has a forward-looking infrared camera and a number of zooming closed-circuit television cameras. Video cameras are installed for all-around vision for the crew since it lacks the normal vantage point of turret roof hatches. This 360-degree camera coverage is perhaps one of the T-14's most unusual features made necessary because of extremely limited visibility without them. The crew clustered in the front of the hull would have poor situational awareness if the camera setup and video feeds were to fail. Okay, so from 2,000 meters away, their night cameras pick up that there's people sneaking up on the tank and the tank automatically takes aggressive action and wipes them out. Holy... Okay, to our Russian listeners, please tell Mr. Putin that uh, two tankers and a cat will give him a shout-out if he will give one of these things to the Bovington Tank Museum. And and you know what? When he's at it, why not send Rob one down there in Fort Benning? Um, He can park it next to the Jag Tiger. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and no one will ever know. (laughs) Russ, can you imagine if we got one of these babies for uh, Rob or Bovington? Oh, man. Wouldn't it be great? Incredible. Bovington gets a call and says, uh, Mr. Putin, listen to the show and says, <laughs> yeah. we're going to send you a T-14. Oh. Uh, maybe they'd give us a free ticket. There we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I- I'm sold. I-, I want one of these T-14s. Just an incredible tank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. But again. And I'm sure it's not going to go completely away. I mean, they've put enough money into it to where... Right, and it's yeah. too good of a tank. Exactly. And, and somewhere down there, there's somebody that knows that you can't you can't put lipstick on a pig and yes. call it beautiful. Yeah. You know, they've got these old main battle tanks that are, you know, got since, what, 1993? Yeah. And they're selling to Iraq and Syria and stuff like that. And you see what's happening. They're getting killed left and right. Sure. There's tons of videos on YouTube where you can see people taking these things out with just plain old Molotov cocktails. Yeah. I guess that brings us to our second point. Uh, You know, Russ, like I said, I I was watching the Band of Brothers again. And and Russ, you remember the part where the American GIs spot a uh, tiger in the haystack and they try to warn the British or the UK uh, tankers. Uh, I think there was like two Shermans and a Cromwell in their group. And they, you know, they're telling them, don't go down there. There's a tiger tank. And the guy's kind of like, every GI thinks this is a tiger. It's not a tiger. <laughs> it's probably something else. We're, we're, but we can't shoot it if we can't see it. And he goes, well, put a round through that building. Well, no, we're not supposed to do any civilian damage. I'm telling you there's a tank down there, and they're like, well, we'll find out. And they go ahead. I checked into that, and that panzer uh, group was called the 107th. They didn't have tigers, uh, uh, which I thought was funny. So technically, the British tanker was correct. You know, it wasn't a tiger. But in the movie, I guess they made it a tiger because, you know, that sells stuff sure sure so yeah. but you know band of brothers is pretty historically accurate it is 
Russ, tell us about this 107th. The 25th Panzer Grenadier Division was originally formed as an infantry unit, designated 25th Infantry Division, and made up of Swabian and Bavarian personnel. It participated in the Polish Campaign and the Battle of France. In late 1940, it was reorganized as the 25th Motorized Infantry Division and took part in Operation Barbarossa, the invasion of the Soviet Union in June 1941. It was attached to Army Group Center and fought in the Soviet Union for two years before they being reorganized as the 25th Panzer Grenadier Division in June 1943. After another year of heavy fighting, the division was almost destroyed near Minsk during the Soviet Operation Bagration in the summer of 1944. The survivors were reorganized at, the, at a training facility in modern-day Poland as the 107th Panzer Brigade. So, it started out as the 25th, but it got in so many battles and, like you said, was almost destroyed. The, they scraped what it could and made the 107th Panzer Brigade. In September 1944, 107th Panzer Brigade participated in Operation Market Garden as part of the 136th Corps of the 1st Parachute Army. The brigade had been rerouted from Aachen to Holland and went almost immediately into combat at Noonan against the American 506th PIR of the 101st Airborne Division and the British 15th-19th, the King's Royal Hussars of the 11th Armored Division. They're like, okay, you're going here. Oh, no, 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 no. We got <laughs> Americans and British landing all over. Oh. And we got armored coming up. We So they scraped these guys together who've already been almost massacred. Yeah. But these guys had to be battle-hardened. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And you're, you're looking at some guys that haven't fired their rifle yet mm, coming down the yeah, road. Yeah. In November 1944, the brigade was upgraded back to divisional status at the Baumholder Training Area and renumbered back as the 25th Panzer Grenadier Division. The new division moved to France in the area of the German-Luxembourg-French border at Cirque Les Bains, where it fought a delaying action against the U.S. 3rd Army until December. It was then moved to Biche, and there it fought on the Mangonot Line fortifications at Forts Overridge, Simmershof, and Overridge Schmeisek under the command of the 13 SS Corps and Obergruppenführer Max Simon. After the U.S. 7th Army's offensive operations were halted in December as a result of the German Ardennes Offensive, the 25th was pulled out of the line and reorganized near Zweibrücken. It then took part in Operation Nordwind along with the 21st Panzer Division. Together, these divisions were to exploit the penetrations made by either the 13 SS Corps in the west or the 139th and XC Corps in the east, with the intention of cutting the U.S. 7th Army off from the 1st French Army. It was then sent back to the Eastern Front to defend against the Soviet attack on the Oder north of Berlin. Most of the survivors managed to escape to the west and surrendered to British or Americans. If you get a chance, you need to research this 25th or what we call it, the 107th. When, when they meet in the Band of Brothers in that town, the, the, it's actually the 107th. And they reformed them and everything, and they sent them in that uh, Odim, you know, to the Russians. That was just a massacre. Wow. And they're Incredible. like, you know what? We're going to lose. Yeah. We, we've got to give up. 
so they race back to the American British, who they've been fighting for, and Man. say, hey, sorry, we're, we're done. Yeah. We give up. Well, what a great episode. It has been. We got Patreon shout-outs to we do. We do. Like we said earlier, we've got our new patron, Tyler Acklin. We want to welcome him to yeah, the no doubt, Patreon program. You know, I think Tyler is actually friends with our other Patreon, uh, Evan. Oh, okay. He's All friends right. with him. Sweet. So, shout out to Evan for yeah, bringing in people. Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, we got Raz Baz. We do. Yeah. He's been with us now for a few months. Who else do we have? Still got Evan. You mentioned him. And still got Antonio Bernarda. <laughs> Good old Antonio. Mad, mad love for him. I know. And Slam Jamington. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and then who else? Alejandro Martinez. Uh, I kill his name I, every time I try to say it. Uh, Bjorn Ben and uh, ODS Theron and everybody's favorite Rick Schmidt. Rick, <laughs> you're the Rick. man. He's the man. He is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's this episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we ran a little long, but we were having fun. We are. Yep. We enjoyed doing this. If we didn't, we wouldn't be. So. Yep. Well, this is Charlie and this is Russell. As always, happy tanking. And have a great week.